0: for us. He's he's always been the one for me. He's always been the one for you too. And we're not in a hurry to move on from loving on him. I just, like I said before, where our lives are orientated around his presence. Like what else are we doing here? We're here for him. And so I want to encourage you. You can feel in the spirit when we get into the slipstream of what is taking place in that realm. You can feel that shift. You can feel your your heart incline and enter in. And as the team came into that space, it was like, oh, here is the sweet spot. As we were loving on him. Did anyone feel that? Show me your hands. Did anybody feel that? Awesome. That's Your spirit responding to the presence of God. And so when you respond, when you feel that again, you can know, oh, hang on, God is doing something in the midst of me right now. And so instead of going, oh, cute feeling, or, oh, that was nice, and carrying on, we can actually take a moment and like Moses did, come aside and see why the bush was not burned up. No, because then God spoke out of the fire, out of the midst of the bush. Moses, instead of going, oh, cool bush carrying on with the day and the sheep, like, oh, I'm going to come aside and see why and what's going on here. And then the Lord responded. The Lord responded to him, to his hunger and his desire. And so I want to encourage you, this week, when you feel in your time with Jesus, when you feel or just doing your thing throughout the week, and you feel that presence tug on you, don't be quick just to carry on with what you're doing. But come aside and look at him and minister. Give him your love and allow him to speak to your heart. This isn't a little thing, His presence. It's it's costly. The anointing, the oil of the Holy Spirit. So we don't take it lightly and we don't carry on because we've got other things to get to. No, 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 no. His presence comes and that has our immediate attention. His presence comes and everything else bows the knee. His presence comes and it's the only thing you have time for. You don't miss your opportunity to love on Him and to seek His face. When you're before the throne in heaven, it's all you'll do and it's magnificent. It's only on the earth that you'll be able to bring a sacrifice of praise and a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So when he calls you to look at him, please don't look anywhere else. This is the dearest place. This isn't about, oh, this is not about having a ministry. Like, minister to him, that's your ministry. This is not about me getting to speak this afternoon. This is all about the one that we love and that we're created for. His presence is His presence. And if we treat it accordingly, if we honor the place of His presence, we will receive the reward of His presence. We will receive the prize of life, we will receive the prize of healing. For our bodies, healing for our hearts, we receive the prize of life. You make that your highest goal. You make that your deepest desire and the one thing you hold higher than anything else. And it's an end unto itself. That's the reward. His presence. And so I want to encourage us. I feel we're learning this as a house in this season. This isn't normal. It should be normal for us. But I'm saying in what he's doing in the earth in this hour, I'm like, I have been around the church a long time. In lifetime, some would say. And I'm telling you, he is pouring out his spirit in magnificent ways. And so when we see the bush burning, when we feel the nudgy, when we feel the invitation of his heart towards us in this house and in our families and in our lives together, we don't just move on. And we lean in. We lean in, we stay a little longer, we practice the presence. There's a practice and a discipline. It's a discipline until it becomes a delight. And you teach your soul to enter in and to remain. You teach, you discipline yourself to keep looking. When Penny sings again, we don't check out, but we linger longer. Because he is the prize. He's our goal. This is the only thing that will remain. He's the one that we're after. This house, he is the one that we're pursuing. And the fruit of that is the signs and wonders and the miracles. It's his face, it's his face, it's the overflow. You reap the reward of the discipline of Pastor Catherine's intimacy with God. We reap then as a family the overflow of our pursuit of Him. And in your daily life, you reap the overflow. (laughs) You reap the overflow of His presence and His heart towards you. And then as a family, when you say, let's turn that off. Let's not look at that. Let's look at him together. You reap the reward of his face. He's always ready and willing and waiting and longing. Like a groom in anticipation for you. To gaze on him with those loving eyes. Pure and spotless one. So that's why we could go straight back into worship, and I'd love to actually. Looking at him, it's our dearest place and our highest calling and our greatest honor and privilege and reward. And so we treat it accordingly. And then when we do, what happens? He comes says that the Lord looks to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that's completely His. Our individual hearts, completely His. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, day and night, night and day, heart turned towards Him, seeking His presence, that pursuit of our lives. We come into this space then, with one thing in mind, with one goal, with one prize. (laughs) Oh, and the overflow and the reward is that he finds a place where he's well and truly at home. I feel like that's the outpouring of his spirit. That's the joy and the glory, isn't it? Pastor James agrees, yes. Make this your highest prize and it'll be your greatest reward. Make this your highest prize and it will be your greatest reward. And so this afternoon, please just keep looking at him. Keep looking at love and I actually have a word to bring you. I have notes. Wild, Jesus. Because he gave me what I feel is such a very specific word for us today. But I'm like, we already did it. As in, we already sang it. We're all on the same page. It's wonderful when that happens. We're all hearing from the Lord, and so you just keep participating and entering in. And I feel like at some point we're just going to have to worship again because I just can't, you know, I can't not. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I want you to open your Bibles to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles five, to be more specific. And as you're getting there, I'm going to just set the scene for you a little bit. King David, a man after God's own heart, who longed, deeply, deeply desired to build a magnificent house for the Lord, for his presence to dwell in. And You'll find the story in 1 Chronicles. For the sake of time, I won't read it all. And so basically, the Lord says to David, because you've been a man of war and a man of bloodshed, I'm sorry, you can't build a place for me, but your son will build a house for my presence. And so David, possessed with a longing and a desire to build a dwelling place for God, put all his resource and time and energy and effort in making supply for his son Solomon to build. And First Chronicles tells us that he gathered together Iron and gold and silver and bronze and cedar and precious stones. And he even, the people, craftsmen, craftsmen and stonemasons, and laborers, and people who knew how to just build with their hands, ornate and beautiful. Oh, lampstands and cherubim and bowls and plates of incense that would minister to the Lord. And not only that, he brought together musicians and he made musical instruments and priests and Levites and treasurers. Every resource Solomon could ever need, David so desired to have a hand in helping building What would be, and David said, an exceedingly magnificent place for the Lord to dwell. And so I want to pick it up in 2 Chronicles 5. And so David has passed away now and Solomon has begun the work of the temple. And everything David Put in place, they used and built together. And they had leaders over thousands of, like 8,000 workmen workmen and craftsmen. It's amazing. And it says here in 2 Corinthians 5, thus, and I'm I'm actually going to read the whole chapter. So let's read together and take our time. Thus, all the work that Solomon did for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things that David his father had dedicated and stored the silver, the gold, and all the vessels in the treasuries of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel in Jerusalem, to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion, and all the men of Israel assembled before the king at the feast that is in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. And they brought up the ark, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. So they had built a tabernacle for the Lord, and David desired to move it into a permanent dwelling. And the holy vessels that were in the tent, the the Levitical priests brought them up. And King Solomon, and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him, were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. It says that the iron that David brought together was beyond measure. The cedar that was brought from other nations beyond measure. They couldn't count the treasure they had brought for the Lord. Then the priest brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place. (laughs) I'm just getting so excited. (laughs) Underneath, because this is going to get so good. Underneath the wings of the cherubim, the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark so that the cherubim made a covering above the ark and its poles. And the poles, they speak of the everlasting covenant that Jesus has made with us. But the poles were so long that the ends of them were not seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary. But They, could, they were, sorry, but they could not be seen from outside. And they're there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt, and when the priests came out of the holy place. Keep coming with me, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions, and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, and Judithin, their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, stood east of the altar with hundred and twenty priests. Who were trumpeters. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise for the Lord, they sang, For He is good, he, for His steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Oh. Far out. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. But I have built you an exalted house, a house for you to dwell in forever. Wow, that's just the weight of his presence is here. The desire of David, of one man, who lived in an inferior covenant, did all he could physically possible beyond building it himself with his own hands to make room, a dwelling place for the glory of the Lord to dwell. Let's go to Luke 23, shall we? I'm just going to read one or two verses now. I, I apologize, it's verse 44 and 45. Our precious Jesus. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light fade. And the curtain of the temple, I'm just going to wait a moment because I want us to read it in its fullness. So let's go back to verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light faded, failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And the temple of the curtain was torn in two. The thing about the dwelling place that Solomon built for the Lord, magnificent and in all its splendor, is that there was a veil that separated the people from the most holy place. Because he is a righteous God. And at increments throughout the year and at different times, the priests were invited in after they had been purified, an outward purification by the blood of bulls and goats and lambs. They were invited into the holy place. But when Jesus died for us, the spotless lamb the eternal sacrifice once and for all, an internal purification as a partaker in His divine nature. When the veil of the temple was torn into, we were given access into the most holy place because now the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has made you the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus and you have access into the Holy of Holies. David in an inferior covenant longed for what you have access into. And not only that, what you possess by the divine power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. The Holy of Holies. Christ in you. The veil torn, not just for you to enter in, but the Holy Spirit, the promise of the sent one that you could become ah, the living temple, the dwelling place of God himself. David, the man after God's own heart, David with which the promise was, my son will come through your bloodline, such as this one who seeks my face. Wow. Our immense privilege now as one who I have, like I said, through the blood of the Lamb, the perfect spotless bride who died once and for all, once and for all. Let's go back to David. Bulls, goats, lambs, priests, Levites to enter into the presence of the Lord. It was an ongoing purification. It was an outward her upper now in the new covenant, he died once for all and has given you his divine nature. You're at peace with God, at rest with God. How does it feel to be at peace with God? And then he takes it one step further and says, oh, it's better that I go. I've now I have given you access to me. I have given you access to my presence. I have given you access to the holy of holies. But I will take it one step further and I will make you the dwelling place. The promise of his glory. Who for you. That which used to separate us is no more sin has been dealt with. It's been nailed to the cross. It says Jesus became sin for us. He became curse for us and he dealt with it on the cross for you. And so we just receive his gift. And maybe you've never done this before. Today is a great day to do it. You can receive his free gift of salvation, of love. You can enter into that union. There is no more separation. If, there is, if you feel, if you're a Christian and you feel any distance between you and the Father, it's not on His end. There is a lie that you're believing that somehow a veil has been put back together and sewn up and pff, it's not true. The Bible says, I read it in verse 45, And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. So then that's your place of habitation. And his place of habitation is in you. You guys, are wild. David, remember, oh, that I could build a house for the Lord my God. Sarah, I am the house of the living God. So are you. David's like, check this out. What the law was powerless, the word says, to do, he did by sending his son for us. Superior covenant. Divine access at all times. And becoming a dwelling place for the Lord. That's why his presence is the most natural place for you to operate. That's why we can we love just to stay here and worship and we could linger all night because it's actually what we're hardwired for. He created you for himself. It's what you've been created for. You're compatible with God through the blood of Jesus. Don't look for another lover. That's your, like, that's your sweet spot. You actually malfunction apart from his presence. It's not the other way around. As in, the presence is your normal place of operating. We don't go in and we don't come out. That's what the priests do. You don't have to anymore. You are the dwelling place. And so we live accordingly. We honor the presence of Jesus When he grabs a hold of us, we lean into it. When he speaks, we obey. When he speaks, we obey. Even when it doesn't make sense to us. I'm serious. Even when it doesn't make sense to us, we know he's smarter than us. (laughs) So you're better off. His ways are higher. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So your place of operating you never have to leave. You just take that place of habitation wherever you go. And there are times that life requires your cognitive attention. I understand that. I'm a mom with three kids. (laughs) I understand needing to give your attention somewhere else. But the position of your heart and the recognition that I am a dwelling place for the Lord never has to change. And in fact, you just invite everybody else in. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. There are temples of the Lord everywhere. And so you just invite people in to your pursuit of His presence. When you're hanging out with your friends and you feel Him calling you, it's a very simple, should we seek the Lord together? Yeah. Mrs. Casey is very good at this. Casey Knight. I was thinking maybe we could hang out and just seek the Lord. It's a really good thing to do with your time. And again, as you... Create a value for His presence. His presence builds in your life. And you, as you're faithful in little, you become faithful in much. As you discipline yourself to linger longer in His presence and find yourself in the Word and allow the eyes of your heart to be enlightened and you be obedient to what He asks you to do. And you honour those in authority over you and you tell the truth. As you do all these things, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. The evidence of the presence of God affecting how you operate when you're not easily angered, and don't take it out on the person in the lane next to you. That's evidence of the dwelling place at work in your heart. And the more that you honor it and the more that you give your attention to it, it will become your greatest joy and deepest desire. And then it's so easy to walk and step with the Spirit and close to the Lord. Because you're just moving with the rhythm of the Spirit. Yeah. And so then you don't have to try to behave properly and do the right thing. Right. And don't touch that, don't look at that, don't think about that. Your eyes are on Him. And you're led by his eye. And so you don't even touch those things anymore. You don't desire those things anymore. (laughs) And when the enemy comes, you very quickly recognize it didn't come from, with a thought, you recognize it didn't come from you because you were so obsessed and transfixed by the place of his presence. And so it's like, that is not compatible here. And get rid of it. There's something about, did you know that, Uh, People who study, I might have heard this here actually, people who are in like the business of, um, not the business of money laundering, but the business of making sure people aren't doing that and, um, okay, I didn't say that properly, okay, if they're trying to catch someone who's reproducing money, They don't study counterfeits. They study the real thing. Because then when they see a counterfeit, they can pick it immediately because it's not that. I know what that is. I've seen that before. I've set my eyes on that. That does not look like that. Bum, bam. So when you're in the place of his presence, this will help you for the rest of your life if you let it. When you're in the place of the, your present, his presence, when you're going about your day, when you're loving your family, when you're honouring your boss, and a lie from the enemy comes, because you've feasted on truth so long, abundantly, always in front of you, at the forefront of your pursuit, when a lie comes, you see the counterfeit very quickly. And then you don't need to put it in your back pocket. And you certainly don't think on it and dwell on it and over and over and over again. It's a story for another day because then you create like a neurological pathway and then you actually, in the spirit, you build a stronghold in your mind to think a certain way. We don't do that. Get rid of the lies, amen? Anyway, that was uh, for free. I want to take you from two. We're doing good. Ephesians 2, verse 19. Because now that we've recognized, oh, I'm like, hi, Luke. Wrong place. Now that we've recognized that, wow, the Holy Spirit dwells in me individually, let's look at what happens when he dwells in us as a people. Ephesians two nineteen. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Yay, that's you and me. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God. By the Spirit. When the Israelites hosted the cloud of glory, what can we host as a people together? Ones who, like I said before, have been made holy and righteous because of the blood of Jesus. All sin washed away. It says He throws them into a sea of forgetfulness, so He doesn't even remember them. So if you remember them, you can just tell yourself to forget them too. This the, now you, this pure, holy, spotless bride, in whom He is building a temple together. A living temple, not built by human hands. A temple in which God is quite at home. As a family, I feel like in this season, oh, like wetting your appetite. When we recognize, like it's raining. Let's ask for rain in the time of rain when we recognize I am now the temple, the holy place built by the Spirit of God Himself. When I come together, that's why the gathering of the saints is so powerful. Sunday's still my favorite day of the week. <laughs> the gathering of the saints because we need one another. And we host him together and we go after him as a family. And even in your life personally, we all have those moments of Bill Johnson would call them memorial stones, right? In the Old Testament, whenever something significant happens, they would build an altar to the Lord, a memorial stone. And then they would tell the generations of the mighty works of God through storytelling. This is when God did that. This place here, this is when we crossed over, right? And this is where Jacob, right, where I met with God at Bethel. Personally, in your life, I would suggest that you probably can pinpoint at least a handful of times where you met with God in such a significant way that it became a memorial stone for you that encounter, that revelation, that understanding, that love I experienced, my, that first love awakening when I gave him my heart, all those things become memorial stones for us. And we celebrate what he's done. And we can go back to them and build on them again. It's wonderful. That's what returning to first love is, is we're reminding ourselves what He's done for us. And it causes us to give thanks and fall in love with Him again. Ah, What kind of memorial stones can we build as a house? What kind of memorial stones can we build? Glory City family, Glory City Church, like, when we recognize He is in our midst and He is moving. And in those moments, I remember when Penny sang and it shifted and it changed us forever. Right? Like I remember, and it's not, it's, I remember when it's so very powerful and we celebrate it. But I feel like there is an invitation for us as a house to dream with God about what He wants to build in this temple what He wants to build in our love with one another and in our unity and in our pursuit of God. That's why that is the dearest place. That's why we don't just move on from His presence. That's why we give time to worship because we recognize that it's moment in His glory that changes us. It's the habit, it's the Preparing a place for him that as he begins to dwell and we're found faithful, that his presence and his glory resides. A habitation. It's what we long for. It's why we're here. I know I sound like a broken record. but I'm okay with it. Because I feel, I so, sorry, I sense the heart of God in this hour and we've been prophesying wonderful things for a long time and I'm, oh man, sorry that wasn't great English, oh man. (laughs) We've been prophesying wonderful things for a long time and I am telling you not one of those words will fall to the ground. And if we can recognize, like Moses, as a family, he's moving in our midst. And I'm not going to miss this. I'm not going. I am not willing. Even in my own life, with my kids, expose your kids to the presence of God. This is how we operate. This is what we do. There's no other option. This is how, what we do. And the influence in Christ in you parents is greater than any other influence. But empower that truth, and you'll see great results. But what can we build together? <laughs> Remember, the veil's been torn. And He's just inviting us to come, to come, to come, to build a habitation for His presence. So then when you get here on a Sunday, you're on the front foot. You're on the front foot, ready to give an offering, ready to bring your worship. Pumping. I'm always pumping, you guys. It's His presence that teaches us how to live. It's His presence that teaches us what to believe. And it's his presence that changes us and changes bodies and heals hearts and changes a city that influences a nation. It's his presence. And we have the capacity because of the blood of Jesus and the kindness of God in sending the Holy Spirit to be used by him to do it. worth getting out of bed in the morning for. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I feel like I've said enough. But I want to encourage you to recognize who you possess, please, this week. And understand that we live in a glorious hour and a glorious time. And to give your whole heart, would you just give your whole heart every day to loving Him. And as a family in this place, the pursuit of His presence, that's why we're here, to minister to the Lord, He is the only one who is worthy. He is the only one who is worthy. He is the only one worthy of your life and of your heart. So let's spend it on him, shall we? I can't think of anything better to do with my time. Amen, amen. I'm gonna pray, thank you, Jesus. Let's just look at him again. Oh, Jesus, we love your presence. Would you say this prayer after me? Jesus, I love your presence. Jesus, we love your presence. Glory City Church is a habitation of your presence. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the divine work of your Holy Spirit. Even now, He's going to begin to draw you. I feel like some of you, your hearts are going to be set on fire today. There is a burning that He is releasing. There is a burning for His presence that He is releasing this afternoon to your heart. To your heart. And again, if you just make yourself available and surrender, He'll come. He'll come. He'll come. He'll come. The place of His presence, the place of encounter is available for you today. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't made Him the Lord of your life, if you haven't surrendered everything you've known up to this point, if you haven't given your life to Him, wow, I want to invite you today just to come and lay down, as I like to say, everything you were never called to be. And find your new life hidden in Christ with God. All shame, pain, and disgrace done away with because Jesus Christ paid the price for you. And just come. If that's you today, why don't you wave your hand at me? Why don't you come? Maybe you've sat actually maybe you've sat in this church for a really long time but you've never actually given your life to God. It's not an invitation to Disneyland. It's an invitation to death actually. To dying to who you once were. And it's time to surrender. It's time to surrender. It's time to surrender. If you haven't fully given your life, I know children are here today. If you know that you need to give your little ones, kids, if you're sitting beside your parents or whoever brought you today and you know you need to come forward and give your life to Jesus, you just tap Him and you tell Him, I need to go forward, okay? You can come hang with me. But if you just wanna surrender and give your life to His presence, would you raise your hand? And if you're watching online, I'd love to extend the same invitation to you to be reconciled to God. The Bible tells us He made Him who knew no sin, sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'd love to invite you to join us, join the family in relationship with the one with the lover of our soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person here. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, we surrender today. We surrender our lives afresh. God, we give you our hearts today. Lord, we give you our lives. Lord, every way that we used to operate, God, we give to you. Lord, and we lay down our way of doing things, our way of thinking Lord, and we acknowledge that Your ways are higher. Lord, and we love Your precepts. I thank You, Lord, that You've invited us, Lord. Lord, not... Woo! Lord, I thank You, Lord, that You've set us free from sin. And You've invited us into divine relationship, into fellowship with God. Lord, and I thank You for the abiding of the Holy Spirit. I thank You for the abiding of the Holy Spirit that is making us, woo, living temples living temples, houses of God, houses of worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we give you our lives today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Why don't you glorify Him? Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God.